RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Beans. Frank is not feeling well. He is under the weather. He has a nasty cough, and he didn't want to come on the show, and like we'd be in the middle of, of our recording, and then he's coughing up a lump. So it's me, but that's okay. Ooh, that was gross, but that's okay, because I have a ton of things to talk to you about. Obviously, I have been gone for what? Two shows? Not expected. The Wednesday show wasn't expected, but Frank was sick and there was just no way that I could do that show by myself. It would have been absolutely terrible because I was so tired. I had the absolute pleasure of attending the John Rich uh, Truth Rumble celebratory extravaganza on Tuesday night in Nashville at his home. I was invited to go to that. Um, It was to celebrate his single, Progress. And um, it was it was really an amazing time. I got to meet Jim Brewer. Um, I got to hang out with uh, Devin Nunez and um, Lee Smith and Jan from Epoch Times were there. I got to meet Sarah Carter. Um, I had some absolutely wonderful and engaging and fantastic conversations with all these people. I met AF Bronco, the comic. Um, I got to say hello to Betty Johnson. Um, it was, and, and Jim Brewer, like, I just have to say, he, he's going to do this podcast, but I have to say, um, meeting him for the, for the first time in person, like outside of a, hey Jim, great show, was really something. Growing up on Long Island, Jim Brewer's from Long Island, and I, we used to, my husband and I used to go to his shows all the time, like I knew him way back when, and um, not personally, obviously, but you know. And so, like, it was kind of cool. He's a huge Met fan. Very rare. <laughs> so, meeting him, like, in a setting where everybody was kind of just hanging out and talking. It wasn't like, a, you know, four or 500 people were there. So, it was really cool. And we got to talking about stuff. And we talked about guns for a little while and shooting. Because his last special, if you saw it, he talked about his wife and how good of a shot she was. And we... um we talked about his last special where he talks about he he like opened for like Billy Joel and and um, a bunch of bands and stuff. And he does this crazy good ACDC impression and he did it on stage like at the spur of a moment because everybody begged him to and he'd never done that before. And so I got it on camera here. Just awesome. The whole song. The whole song. Three minutes and 17 seconds. Outside of that, there was a lot of conversation because Monday, folks, Monday begins our additional video show. Um, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. If you are a video person or have friends that are not podcast people, you can go over to Rumble and catch us live. Frank and I live in person on video. 
Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. The podcast will still go out audio only as it always does. So don't worry, nothing's changing for you. You can listen to the podcast on all of the different podcasting platforms that you're using right now to listen to it. Zero change for you guys whatsoever. Um, just we're adding the video component to try and broaden our reach a little bit, get some more people involved um, that aren't podcast folks. And we're really looking forward to that. It's going to be super excited. Um, exciting, sorry. Um, and so I've been getting all that stuff ready. But outside of all that, just a lot of really good conversation with people that um, I've always really wanted to sit down and have a conversation with. Um, it was it was really a great experience. I'm humbled and honored that I was asked to go. And I'm so glad I did. But the drive home yesterday, Wednesday was terrible. It was just terrible. Far too long in the car. I want to send a big thank you to Wendy from Uncovered DC for being my, um, for giving me the hospitality, letting me stay with her and her family. It was just a beautiful experience to stay with them. Wonderful people, as I know they are. Um, we had a great time. And then I got to sit and have lunch with my girl, Michelle um, Edwards, who writes for us that I have not met yet. So that was really something too. It was just a really, really, really good experience. So I'm glad that I went, but I'm back. Scratchy voice and all, um, and ready to get into some actual, let's get into some, some info, okay? Um, first of all, let's talk about groomers, because we're reaching like a boiling point, I think, now. We're seeing more and more people speak out about this terrible practice of exposing children to highly sexualized, terrible experiences that they are not supposed to have probably ever, let alone when they are four or five, six years old. So there was a California school board meeting. And this this is a, a, a Citizen Free Press, but I saw it this morning prepping for the show. And I, I wanted to play it for you guys because she's spot on. Do not mess with moms, guys. Just don't do it. Here. I just want to know what it is uh, that makes a drag show family friendly. Because if you follow it to its logical conclusion, you can slap family-friendly titles on anything. You can have family-friendly gentlemen's clubs, family-friendly strip shows, family-friendly Fifty Shades of Grey read-alouds. Will you appro approve my flyer if I want to host in all the sex secrets of the Kama Sutra for kids and families, if it's family-friendly? <laughs> my question. Wow. Come on. Uh, what is it about a grown man? And I honestly, sincerely, as a woman, mean this. What is it about a grown man costumed in a sparkly bra with augmented boobs busting out a leather miniskirt barely covering his twerking ass with tuck tape on his front while spreading his fish netted legs as he writhes on the ground grinding his groin next to a minor family friendly family friendly family friendly you owe us an answer no. and you know you don't get to hide by just taking something down off peach tree and calling it a day you owe an explanation right. and an apology problem with child porn, with sex trafficking, you, a little school district board of adults, made the decision to feature an event to hypersexualize young children. Do you want to know that the word that defines that? It's groomer. You all played the activist pimp for an aligned surgical center and for a 21 plus gay bar. 
It makes you groomers and activist pimps. And we won't have those sitting on a school board who oversees the education of our children. You all stepped out of line. You should be ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. There is nothing loving. No. There is nothing. Let's unite and include. Because the logical conclusion of that is you end up in diabolical evil. There are boundaries. And you don't slap family-friendly titles on stuff to cover your ass. She's absolutely right. There are boundaries. And we are perilously crossing into those boundaries. Over those boundaries. Hurtling across them even. Hurtling across them. Insane. I, 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 you know, it, it's going to take all of these people standing up one, one at a time. It really is. And then, then more people will be emboldened to stand up and speak. Um, as I'm recording today, just now, I realized that Gigi and crew have sent me a text message that Bank of America had canceled the bank account that Cat Turd uses for the podcast that they do. Not his personal account or anything, the podcast account. And this is the third bank cancellation that I've heard of in the past day. So first we had Kanye West, who I will clear up the air. And this pissed me off, for lack of a better word. But it appears that Kanye was having problems with J.P. Morgan Chase before he made any comments, before he wore the White Lives Matter shirt, that the um, date on that letter was actually cropped off. So it made it appear as though it was in response to the um, social, I, I guess, uh, unapproved opinions that Kanye's had over the past couple weeks. But it appears that that one had something to do with Adidas and some kind of deal they were working on. And that's more likely why. Now, is that 100% proven? No. But um, looking at some of that information that has been um, coming out, it, it appears as though that happened actually just because it could have it could have had happened before um, all of this stuff happened with his comments. However, pro-life uh, activists had their bank accounts at J.P. Morgan Chase canceled yesterday. Um, J.P. Morgan Chase closes the account of religious freedom group demands their donor list. It's just the news. A spokesperson for the bank said the banks did not close the account on the basis of the group's political and social leanings. I don't believe that for a second. J.P. Morgan Chase has reportedly closed the account of a religious freedom-focused nonprofit and demanded it hand over a list of donors to secure the account's reinstatement. Former Kansas Republican Governor Sam Brownback, the founder of the National Committee for Religious Freedom, told Fox News that the group's account was closed with no explanation. We went into a Chase branch in D.C. to open an account. No problem. Then several weeks later, I went to put another deposit in the account and they said your account has been canceled. We'll, we'll be sending your money back to you. A spokesperson for the bank said the bank didn't close the account on the basis of the group's political and social leanings. Of course, quote, I'm not able to speak about confidential client matters, but what I can say is we have never and would never exit a client relationship due to their political or religious affiliation. Nonsense. 
nonsense. It's just not true. And, you know, when they did this to Laura Loomer back in the day, nobody had anything to say about it. Everyone was like, oh, well, blah, blah. When it, it's the same thing. Look at what's just happening to Alex Jones. He's being, he's, he, he got a, a billion dollar judgment against him for speaking, for speech. That case is a travesty. I don't care if you like Alex Jones, think he's, or if you think he's a, a useless toolbox who, who's a crazy person who screams into a microphone and has done nothing but harm to everybody around him. I don't care. That case is disgusting. If you look into it, it's disgusting. If you want to hear about it, Barnes, uh, Robert Barnes does a great job of explaining what's happened. And they banned him from Twitter. He was like one of the first people to be banned from Twitter. And everybody was like, well, you know, well it figures it serves him right. No. It's just the beginning. That's what they start with. And when they don't get any pushback from people, they keep going. We're in a very precarious time with stuff like this. Brownback, governor, former governor, alleged that other groups had suffered similar treatment. We've just heard of way too many groups and entities, particularly religious associated ones that have been canceled by their providers. And we want to start seeing some of these cases investigated. His organization plans to appeal to state attorneys general to get involved. The former lawmaker has requested that CEO Jamie Dimon explain the closure and address concerns that the firm may be closing accounts on the basis of faith or politics. We're concerned that religious institutions, houses of worship, and people of all faiths are at risk of having their business credit or even personal or private bank accounts terminated for any reason or no reason at all. And of course, you've got the idiots, the lefty idiots who are very, very happy, very, very happy that... Um, this is happening. Saying, oh, it's a free market. <laughs> Guys, don't, they'll go over to Truth Social and whine about it. Wow. We are at such a place right now with people like this. So that, that's three that I know of. Now, whether we can argue, we can argue Kanye's, but... <sighs> All of this while we're having... A quid pro quo between, or an attempted quid pro quo, between Biden and OPEC and the Saudis. This is Jonathan Farrow, and he is interviewing, um, he's interviewing one of Biden's top level staffers, Deese. I don't know what Deese does. Let me find out before I keep going. Hold on. Yeah, he is a um, 13th dire- the 13th director of the National Economic Council, serving under President Joe Biden. Also served as a senior advisor to President Barack Obama. But here he is. Um, this is how this is how a good reporter, and we'll play another good reporter in a second, gets on top of things. Here. Other people are very worried about this. You've drained the SPR to its lowest level in four decades. There's some accusation that you're using, you're putting the polls before America's energy security. Brian, the Saudis themselves said this morning that the U.S. requested a one-month delay to the OPEC Plus output. I wonder why that would be. Brian, can you tell me whether you did ask the Saudis for a one-month delay to that decision? Are they telling the truth? 
look, we clearly we clearly communicated our views to OPEC members that we thought it was short-sighted to, for them to take uh, the action that they were contemplating, and they announced. With respect to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, this was a calibrated decision to address the real issues in the market. We talked to U.S. industry last winter. We identified that there was about a million barrel a day gap between what they were producing this winter and what they said that they could get production to by late this fall. And that million barrel gap was what we calibrated to make the decision on the use of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And people should feel confident that the Strategic Petroleum Reserve continues to be an asset that we can deploy to address our economic and national security needs. That's always what has dictated the President's decision-making on this, and that's what uh, will dictate his decision-making on this going forward. Brian, you didn't answer the question, so I'm going to ask it again. I'm going to share with you and share with our audience the quote from the Saudis this morning. The government of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia would like to clarify that based on its belief in the importance of dialogue and exchange of views with its allies and partners outside of OPEC Plus regarding the situation in the oil markets, the government of the Kingdom clarified through its continuous consultation with the US administration that all economic analyses indicate that postponing the OPEC Plus decision for a month, according to what has been suggested, would have had negative economic consequences. Brian, again, it's a really straight question. Did you ask the Saudis to delay that decision for a month. Are they telling the truth or not? Look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to to, to uh, get on, on on air and disclose private conversations that well, members of our administration have. It's not private. Saudis have shared it with us. With You've got the opportunity to say it's true or not. Is it true or not? What I will say. What I will say. What I will say clearly, is that the communications that we've had with OPEC members and continuing have been based on our assessment of the economic circumstances of supply and demand in global oil. Other people. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. It was, please don't do this to us right before the midterms, guys, because it's going to kill us. And the only thing that Biden knows how to do, and I've said this a million times, but I'm going to say it again, is threaten. Um, Is threaten. Here, here's, here. This is Biden after, after the decision last week. This is not diplomacy. And not for nothing, but this was an embarrassment This is an embarrassment to the United States. This entire debacle is such an embarrassment to us. We have zero sway or power. Tucker Carlson last night did a fantastic opening about Zelensky and how he's standing up there demanding billions of dollars from us because he can. Right now, they're calling for a stopping of U.S. arms sales to Saudi Arabia. Do you support that legislation? We're going to react to Saudi Arabia. And they're doing a consultation when they come back, and uh, we will take action. We will take action. What kind of action? Why are you doing this? This is dis- I mean, I just can't. Who who wants this? What? This is an out of control rogue administration. Nobody wants this. Do you want this? No. I bet m- m- this is crazy. I I. I- <sighs> I have a really great solution to this problem, and I'm a nobody, but I have a really good idea. Open the damn pipeline. Really. Open it. Problem solved. Saudi Arabia put out a statement yesterday. Saudi Arabia confirms Biden attempted to coerce them to postpone oil cuts until after the midterms announced they have rejected his quid pro quo. Where's the impeachment hearings? For this actual quid pro quo. Where? The kingdom um, affirms 
that the outcomes of the OPEC plus meetings that are adopted through consensus among member states and that they are not based on the unilateral decision by a single country. These outcomes are based purely on economic considerations that take into account maintaining a balance of supply and demand in the oil markets, as well as aim to limit volatility that does not serve the interests of consumers and producers, as has always been the case within OPEC+. The government of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia would also like to clarify that based on its belief in the importance of dialogue and exchange of views with its allies and partners outside of the OPEC plus group regarding the situation in the oil markets, the government and king of the kingdom clarified through its continuous consultation with the U.S. administration that all economic analyses indicate that postponing the OPEC decision for a month, according to what has been suggested, would have had negative economic consequences. A big problem is that we are we are falsely inflating supply by releasing our strategic oil reserves and messing the markets up because that's how the free market works guys not to jump around too much but back to the Alex Jones thing real quick um Alex Jones was ordered to pay over $965 million in the latest judgment against him. Just for um, comparison, the largest fine paid by a banking executive responsible for the 2008 financial crisis was $67 million. Alex Jones doesn't have a billion dollars. Alex Jones was on Bannon talking about how his bank account has a million dollars in it. Personally. And that's it. His business is in bankruptcy. They're not going to get this money out of him. It's a it's to make a point. Um, but speaking of defamation suits and all that stuff, um, President Trump has been releasing a whole bunch of letters that his attorneys have sent to various institutions. The one that I read last night was uh, his attorney sending a letter to the Pulitzer Prize Commission, the organization saying that um, by leaving up the articles about Russiagate that the Washington Post and the New York Times had penned back a few years ago that they won their Pulitzer Prizes for is defamation against him because the articles are false and that if the Pulitzer Prize uh, commission, for lack of a better word, leaves them up, they're also guilty of defamation. In a notice to the um, Pulitzer Prize board sent on October 13th of 2022, there is a, what is it, 16-page letter that goes through all of the ways that those uh, reporting, the reporting by those two organizations is wrong. They had also sent a letter back in July of 2022. Um, I guess it was, this letter was responded to by the Pulitzer board saying that they were going to leave those reports up um, because, you know, misinformation is key nowadays, depending on who you are and what you want your propaganda to do. Um, on behalf of our client, this recent letter says, we write to notify the Pulitzer Prize Board pursuant to 770.01 Florida statute that a defamatory statement pertaining to President Trump was and remains published on the board's website since July 18th, 2022. The statement reads as follows. A statement from the Pulitzer Prize Board. Listen to this. The Pulitzer Prize Board has an established formal process by which complaints against winning entries are carefully reviewed. In the last three years, the Pulitzer Board has received inquiries, including from former President Donald Trump, about submissions from The New York Times and The Washington Post on Russian interference in the U.S. election and its connections to the Trump campaign, submissions that jointly won the 2018 National Reporting Prize. 
These inquiries prompted the Pulitzer Board to commission two independent reviews of the work submitted by those organizations to our national reporting competition. Both reviews were conducted by individuals with no connection to the institutions whose work was under examination, nor any connection to each other. The separate reviews converged in their conclusions that no passages or headlines, contentions or assertions in any of the winning submissions were discredited by facts that emerged subsequent to the conferral of the prizes. The 2018 Pulitzer Prizes in National Reporting stand. Oh my gosh. I'll put this in the show notes for you guys so that you can read it for yourself. It's really good. And uh, this is from Weber Crab and Wine, Jeremy Bailey and Quincy Bird attorneys. Unbelievable. So there's that. The January 6th committee got together yesterday, guys, and they voted um, the the, um, very partisan committee voted to subpoena President Trump. And actually, I think that his response is out right now. Let's just see. Yep, here it is. Chuck, will it be seen as theatrics, a theatrical move? It's hard not to look at it a bit as a as sort of theater or show simply because the quick first question you have is why didn't you issue this two months ago three months ago six months ago we can go through but at, at a minimum at the end of august would have, would I don't have think made some it. sense here um to truly attempt to get him in now look there's always there's always a chance he could come in and just plead the fifth uh, and do that there's a chance he's donald trump and he wants his his own time or he just simply drags it out because um, this subpoena would expire on January 2nd, 2023, meaning as soon as the new Congress takes over, uh, if now Democrats have control, maybe they reissue the subpoena mm-hmm. uh, on January 3rd. But this feels a little showman and you have that. Again, it, it just for me raises the question, why not sooner? Yeah, why not sooner? Chuck, be... Why not sooner? Because it's all a joke. That's why. I'm looking for his response. Come on, where is it? He said he was tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Oh, I guess he means tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. That doesn't make any sense. Very weird. Fox News has a story up. Trump loves the idea of testifying before the January 6th committee, says source close to the president. Bring in our panel to get their thoughts. Oh, stop playing automatically. (laughs) So... Trump retruthed this story from Fox News. Former President Donald Trump loves the idea of testifying before the House Select Committee investigating January 6th, a close source uh, to Trump said to Fox News. The source said that if Trump complied with the subpoena and testified, he would talk about how corrupt the election was, how corrupt the committee was, and how Nancy Pelosi didn't call up the National Guard that Trump strongly recommended for her to do three days earlier on January 3rd. The source told Fox News Digital that it is unclear at this point if Trump actually will testify, but stressed that he loves the idea. The committee, which consists of seven Democrats and two anti-Trump Republicans, voted Thursday to compel Trump to testify about his conduct leading up to and during the Capitol riot on January 6th. In an exclusive interview, Trump slammed the committee and its investigation as a witch hunt. I will agree. I will agree. 
So we don't have a formal response from Trump yet, but he's truthing away this morning. So we'll keep our eyes peeled over there. Um, they released this video of Nancy Pelosi. So I guess Nancy Pelosi's daughter was in there filming away. Like why? I don't know. It's like almost like they knew they needed to have this all ready to go. And that's what this is all about. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. I would come to him and punch him out. This oh, is my wow. I would pay to see that. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. That's very peaceful, Nancy. Very peaceful of you. For real. Very peaceful. This is this is this is what they've turned this into. It is so ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. Um I asked a how do I jump back here? I I'm 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 a little bit uh, disheveled. There's so much going on. I'm jumping around a little bit, but um Wow. Before we go any further, fantastic sponsor, ExpressVPN is sponsoring our show. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I love them because using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your baggage at the airport without a lock. You think your stuff is kept private, but you never know who's going through your 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 unmentionables and ring boxes. One time um, I went to Cancun with my, what would be my future husband, and we he proposed to me in Cancun, which was beautiful. And on the way back, we um, missed our connecting flight and our luggage ended up at LaGuardia Airport. And it was two weeks before we were able to get it back. And I had thankfully had my ring on my finger that he had just gifted me. But the box was in there along with a bunch of very expensive clothing and makeup and all kinds of other stuff. And the luggage was just left out in the airport to be rummaged through by anybody walking by. And it was rummaged. I mean... People took stuff. It was really bad. That's what it's like if you're not using ExpressVPN. Why does everyone need a VPN? Because ISPs, if you have no VPN, can see every single website that you visit and then legally sell this stuff without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use the data to target you in retrospect. You can browse more anonymously when you use ExpressVPN. The ISPs can't see your online activity. Your identity as, uh, is, is um, anonymous by a secure VPN server, and your data is encrypted, it's so easy. You just start up the app, click a button, and then you are wherever you say you are. Phones, laptops, even routers are protected, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can share in the benefits. It's several different reasons why ExpressVPN is something that I use all the time. Number one, my husband loves it because he gets to um, watch sports in places that he doesn't exist. That's number one. We get to watch TV shows from places where we don't exist. That's number two. Um, and it, it's an important to me because I don't like people snooping around at my business. And I don't think that you guys do either. So look, secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash dark to light today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash dark to light. And you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash dark to light support our sponsors guys this happens to be an amazing one really really life-changing for me personally anyway love it expressvpn um 
There's so much to talk about. Mother, mother of, of Pearl. Um, okay, let's move into Danchenko, the Danchenko trial, which I've been, Technofog has done an absolutely fantastic job on this the past several days. It's day three. The other account that you can follow either on Twitter or Truth Social is Real Toria Brooke. She is on location um, and she does live threads of the testimony, etc. They're saying that they think that this trial is going to wrap on Monday with closing statements. Um, Danchenko will not take the stand. This is basically Durham like stringing the FBI out with Brian Auten and um, a couple of other agents that they've had up on the stand. Dolan was was um, was testifying yesterday. Dolan being the Clinton ally that has all these Russia connections. You'd think that he was um, colluding with Russia the way that they I mean, you think that he would have a FISA on him. So much stuff has come out about this in the past couple of days that is really stunning, but I don't think at the end of the day, sadly, is going to make one bit of a difference with this current DOJ or even the past DOGs. It, it's, I don't see the next indictment coming. I just don't. And there should be one. I mean, literally, Durham is using this trial to expose the FBI for their, mal- their malfeasance. You'd think that they were on trial and not Denchenko, the way that this is going. So I'm going to link a bunch of um, techno substacks in the description box below. He buys these transcripts. They're very expensive, guys. They really are very expensive to purchase. Um, so just think about that and potentially joining his Substack to help him out with it. But the FBI paid Danchenko 200 grand. They offered Steele a million dollars to prove the dossier. Steele didn't take that money because he couldn't prove the dossier because the dossier was nonsense. They admit all over the place they knew that it was nonsense. So you sit back and you wonder to yourself, how in the ever-living world, how in the world is Carter Page's defamation suit or or suit against the government um, dismissed when you've got all of this evidence coming out from the actual people involved with this? that none of this stuff was verified. They knew it, and they got the FISA warrants anyway, using the information that wasn't verified. And, you know, you just, you're, you've basically, what we all knew already, you've got a bunch of, like, CD agents working to, a, agents and, and, and intelligence assets and people that have previously been under investigation. We found out that Sergey Milian was... Also a source for the um, for the FBI in the past, which fine. I mean, but but if you look at the group of them that had been doing this, like everybody involved with the early Spygate saga. Outside of so far, we haven't learned that Papadopoulos was a source, but we know that Manafort was working with the State Department and Kilimanjik. Everybody was was a, a, a source or a confidential informant or a CHS or whatever for, for the FBI and the DOJ and, and the CIA or whoever. Page, Milian, Denchenko, Steele, all of them. The whole thing, it, it's just, and this is minutia that I, I, I don't even know if the jury is really going to fully comprehend, honestly. 
But Techno is blogging it all. I just don't know where we end up here. I don't know what this jury's going to do with this. It's more, again, an indictment of the FBI than Danchenko at this point. I, I, I don't know. And I just, I, 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 it bothers me because there have been people out there promising everybody that, um, there will be all of this massive accountability. And I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I'm at least sitting back and saying, I am looking at all sides of this before I jump on this bandwagon of like, Derm's taking everybody down. Like it's, let's be realistic here, guys, seriously. So I'm going to put the link to the latest um, Technofog Substack in the show notes for everybody. And you can go back and read the ones from two days ago as well. And check those out and see what you see. Um, I don't know if anybody has seen this, but over the past like week or two, Ty Clevenger, if you have been with me for years, that name will ring a bell to you because he's been the attorney steadfastly and fervently pushing for the FBI to provide information that they have regarding Seth Rich. You know, the first one of the first um, conspiracy theories that started this whole thing. Um, the FBI was was ordered by a judge to produce all records that they have regarding Seth Rich to Ty Clevenger in this lawsuit. Um, they they started off saying they had absolutely nothing and that morphed into them having thousands and thousands of pages. Clevenger has been suing. They had a deadline to produce these documents. And now yesterday on the day that they were due, the FBI is asking for two more weeks so they can prepare a motion for reconsideration. The FBI is uncertain how to comply with the court's order as written. And the FBI is seeking input from a pending appellate consultation regarding the order to properly address this issue. It, the order, all it did was direct the FBI to produce the information it possesses related to Seth Rich's laptop and responsive to the plaintiff's FOIA request within 14 days. It doesn't discuss the work laptop that he had, which is also in their possession. The only thing that the FBI has um, cited as a narrow basis for withholding the records is his privacy. Clevenger says, I'm not sure why it takes four weeks and an appellate lawyer to figure out why the judge did or didn't get that issue right. He says, in any event, I'm reminded of something that I learned almost 30 years ago when I was a newspaper reporter. People with nothing to hide don't try to hide nothing. It, I just can't believe that... Um, I just can't believe that they're waited till the day of this judge is not going to be happy definitely not going to be happy but you know the the entire crux of even what Dan, what what Durham is doing right now all hinges on the DNC emails it all hinges on the DNC hack in quotes which was really a leak Julian Assange's issues all hinge on this like it, it, 
the Vault 7 information, the, the, the Schulte case that I'm still following, which is absolutely insane, guys. Schulte, Joshua Adam Schulte was the man that they alleged took all the Vault 7 information from the CIA and gave it to WikiLeaks so that WikiLeaks could release all this damning information about CIA programs, computer issues, hacking tools, etc., and Schulte has denied that he is that man, but he was convicted by a jury of his peers a, a month or two ago of that crime. But the way that they got Schulte was by going to his apartment and finding child porn on his computer in the page file. And he hasn't had that Kate that trial yet. He, they tried him on the espionage and all that stuff, but not on that, not on the uh, child porn. And it's it's almost very like convoluted to get into but basically now they're alleging he had a laptop that they issued to him in jail to prepare his defense because he's defending himself and they executed a search warrant on the laptop they gave him and supposedly allegedly found more materials like he was in jail with a laptop not connected to the internet going through child pornography in jail. It's just, it's, the whole thing is just crazy. I, I just don't believe it. I, I really should do a big explanation of this story and a rundown of it because the whole thing hinges on the DNC emails. And Ty wants to see what was on Seth Rich's laptop. And the FBI doesn't want him to see it. And the judge is saying, hand it over. And the FBI is saying, we need a little more time, judge. We're not really sure we're going to do this. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But is it unbelievable, really? At the end of the day? I don't think so. <laughs> Nothing's unbelievable anymore. We're going to move on to vaccine stuff now because this is taking Europe by storm. And it should be much bigger of a story here in the United States. Um... Dutch Parliament had the leaders, the upper echelon of Pfizer, outside of their CEO, of course, in for questioning. And they were directly asked if the vaccine or gene therapy was tested previous to widespread administration for efficacy in preventing transmission of COVID. And the woman who answers, who's very high up at Pfizer, says no, because they had to move at the speed of science, whatever that means. And so there's been a lot of fallout after this overseas. Um, and I'm going to play a clip right here from Mark Dolan for GB News UK. Just one thing first. Joe Biden called it a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Andrew Neil, formerly of this parish, spoke of punishing the unvaccinated. Jeremy Vine spoke figuratively of holding people down and forcibly jabbing them. Oddly, the smiling fascist, Justin Trudeau of Canada, called the unvaccinated racist. Quite a leap, that one, and a bit rich from a man famous for blackface. But as a spokesperson from Pfizer admitted in the Dutch Parliament this week, the vaccine was never tested for transmission. In other words, stopping you giving COVID to others. So what the authorities told us about stopping the spread with a jab was a total lie. Take it to protect granny, a historic falsehood. Whilst safe 
for most, though we can't be sure, we don't have long-term data, large numbers of... I can't, I can't with these people and their safe for most nonsense. It's not safe for anyone. This is not safe for anybody. You guys all know that. ...of people around the world have suffered severe side effects, and some, including former BBC presenter Lisa Shaw, have died. Uh, Lisa, a healthy woman in her 40s, here pictured with her husband, Gareth. She statistically did not need the jab, but based upon the idea that somehow she was helping others, she took one for the team. She's gone now. Her husband, a widower, her young son without his mummy. The conspiracy theorists, the tin hat brigade, the so-called anti-vaxxers, who were no such thing but simply wanted personal choice, were right all along. For the record, I'm triple jabbed. But did I need it? You tell me. We will never forget the politicians, the corporations, and the high-profile celebrities and TV doctors who needlessly coerced us into having the vaccine. They've got blood on their hands. Never forgive, never forget, and never again. It's about to blow. It is. This day was going to come because of you. I'm going to keep saying it. If it weren't for you, we would not be here today doing this. We would not be at the point where, where major news channels were allowing monologues like that because of you. Just for a trip down memory, memory lane, I sent this thread out. I forget where I saw it originally, but somebody on Twitter um, took the opportunity to put a thread together. Now, this was back in August that they did this one. The CDC admitted that the unvaccinated and the vaccinated are essentially the same. It's all of the people and the things that they said about the unvaccinated, all of the maniacal, tyrannical lunatics who were so gaslit, misled, and uninformed and naive and angry and hateful that they took to social media to proudly proclaim that the unvaccinated should not be allowed to live in public or polite society and should have all of their rights stripped from them and shouldn't receive medical care and should be treated like worse than animals would be treated. But guess what? The most important thing is that we um, ensure that we keep talking about this and reporting on this um, and get some sort of accountability for this absolutely tragic, tragic period in human history. It's been an absolutely tragic crime against humanity. Um, I read the statistics on a show last week, I believe, that 63% of the world's population have been vaccinated or jabbed or given gene therapy that will fundamentally change the way their bodies work for the rest of their lives. And there are only, as per official records, believe them if you want to, 40% of us who did not do this 
If you were one of the 40%, thank you. If you were one of the 60% who did it under coercion and just made a choice that you thought was best for you given the horrible circumstances, I'm really sorry that you had to be put in that position in the first place. But I'm also very proud of the people that stayed strong because without you, we would not be here right now doing this and having this conversation and seeing this go mainstream. Without the early, um, the early reporting that Uncovered DC did it, a lot of other you know more independent outlets, uh, brave doctors who stepped up against the threat of losing their medical licenses. California just passed a bill that makes that possible, by the way. Um, the thing that really bothered me is I'm going to play this from Dr. John Campbell, who has a very large YouTube following. He has about 2.5 million subscribers. And he played the clip yesterday on his YouTube channel. Let me pull it up on the computer so it's easier to hear it. Um, he played the clip on his YouTube channel yesterday of this. I'm going to play it for you as well. And he kind of goes through and analyzes it. But you know what really bothers me a lot? It's that he's he's bowing to the... YouTube deity disclaiming everything that's going on in the video left and right and left and right because, you know, he can't go after, go outside of the uh, suggested guidelines or the, the community standards. And it, it, it's really disappointing. But here's the, the clip. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? This is EU Parliament, by the way. This is the EU Parliament. And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about... Just to let you know, that background noise is in their video, not mine. So I'm sorry for that. Stopping humanization before um, it's entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. What is the speed of science? What is the speed of science? Janine Small, Pfizer's president of international developed markets, admitted that its vaccine had never been tested before its release to the general public um, on its ability or efficacy to prevent the transmission of COVID. When questioned by Rob Roos, This entire, here, listen to Rob Roos, here we go. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be 
complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. So what they were basically doing, which is what we said, was giving everybody a very, very, very dangerous, humanity-altering, quasi-therapeutic that didn't even work at all. It was useless. And the entire world was upended over it. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. Voor u, mevrouw Smol, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it's entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. This is scandalous. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Please share this video. I... Somebody says the speed of science is measured in units of dollars per quarter. This is, I can't believe they just admitted it. And they probably just, she probably just admitted it because she didn't realize or she didn't think about it or they don't care. I mean, that's obviously a possibility that they just don't care. And there were more clips to come out of that hearing as well. But I want to read through some of these tweets that people made. Unvaccinated children shouldn't be allowed into theme parks. I'm a tennis fan, but I don't support Novak on this because if he's unvaccinated, he's endangering many lives by partaking on the tour. He shouldn't be allowed to play without the jab. Vaccinated people just have to wear a mask until the Delta is over. Unvaccinated people shouldn't be allowed in public. I don't care if we hurt their feelings. You shouldn't be allowed to do anything unvaccinated. Vaccines are essential in curbing spread and building up herd immunity. Unvaccinated people shouldn't be allowed to practice medicine. If they choose to be unvaccinated, zero sympathy. They shouldn't be allowed to take up ICU beds. Unvaccinated people shouldn't be allowed in any store. F the unvaccinated. They shouldn't be allowed to participate in society. People who are unvaccinated shouldn't be allowed to take up hospital beds. I agree. Healthcare isn't a, a human right. It should be selective. Are you vaccinated, Tommy? Asking for a friend. The unvaccinated shouldn't be allowed to benefit off of the herd immunity the vaccinated are trying to reach. Any unvaccinated should forego any medical aid when they get sick. Thanks for always talking sense into the idiots, 
My current thing is the unvaccinated shouldn't be allowed in the hospital with COVID. If you choose not to get a life-saving vax that is safe, free, and readily available to you, you don't get the right to tax our healthcare resources. Unvaccinated kids shouldn't be allowed in schools. Somebody must have equated the vaccine passport to racism. There's a huge difference. You can't choose your race, but you choose to be unvaccinated, endangering your life and others around you. I am for discrimination against the unvaccinated. They shouldn't be allowed in public. You shouldn't be allowed to fly if you're unvaccinated. Unvaccinated Americans shouldn't be allowed to fly within the USA, let alone around the world. Unvaccinated people shouldn't be allowed in hospitals. Unvaccinated people shouldn't be allowed anywhere. A menace to society shouldn't be allowed to play extremely dangerous and unethical to let an unvaccinated athlete play with those vaccinated. The unvaccinated athlete is still alive. That's my addition. Guys, the reality is we probably shouldn't be forcing anyone to get the vaccine, but at the same time, the public shaming and humiliation of effing idiots who don't get it should be widely encouraged and businesses should be allowed to refuse service to non-health reason unvaccinated people. To people who aren't vaccinated, duh. Unvaccinated shouldn't be allowed out of their homes, their body, their choice, their consequence. Consequences for not vaccinating? I think children who aren't vaccinated shouldn't be allowed in school without an actually medically required exemption. I've heard of pediatricians refusing to see unvaccinated kids too, and I think that's fine. You shouldn't be allowed to fly if you're unvaccinated. Of course, I have no say. I, I have to say I have no sympathy for people who refuse to get vaccinated for their job, especially in healthcare or if they are a cop or a paramedic. Really irresponsible. Unvaxxed people shouldn't be permitted into restaurants, pubs, or indoor venues. If they won't protect themselves, the rest of us must do it by disassociation. If you're unvaccinated against diseases we conquered previously, you should be thrown in prison or shot into the sun. This and the fact that unvaccinated vermin are taking staff beds, medicine, and equipment from others who are vaccinated but have other issues are two things that make me the most mad. You just, this has been the biggest crime against humanity the world has ever seen, ever. This has been the biggest crime against humanity the world has ever seen. If you've been following the work at Uncover DC, you know that we have dedicated a large amount of resources to this very topic. We will continue to do so. This is a topic that I did not want to be right about, but we were. We've been right about everything this entire time. We have been right about everything this entire time. We have not been wrong about a single thing. Every single piece of reporting we have published has been 100% spot on most of the time, years in advance of when everybody else caught up. And it's only because we are unafraid to tell the truth. I have to read something before we go today. The HCGOP and its leadership respectfully apologized to Mr. McDaniel for the previous statements that were made about him with regards to an incident that took place last year at Rock the Red event in Greenville, South Carolina. After reviewing the, re the police report, we believe Mr. McDaniel did not possess a weapon or mention anything about Antifa. We regret these remarks and apologize to anyone who may have taken these remarks as factual. These vaccines were a crime against humanity. Absolutely terrible. You've been listening to the Dark to Light podcast with Beans. Monday, remember, Monday we start our video show. If you have friends who don't like to listen to podcasts, send them on over. 
Make sure to thank our uh, sponsor, ExpressVPN, by going to expressvpn.com slash dark to light. You can hear us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and on RadioInfluence.com. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. We will be back on Monday.